Episode 162 is here, everybody, with Lee Smith, the CEO and founder of SalesFuel, a Columbus, Ohio-based firm that leverages critical insights to enable the acquisition, development, and retention of top employees and customers. Really awesome conversation. If you're in sales or your business is sales-related, or you know people in sales, this is something that uh, you will definitely be interested in. We talk about what it takes to uh, make good salespeople, why certain people fall short, the the tips and tricks, and uh, all the different things that go into sales and, and um, you know just business in general. So fantastic conversation. Check him out, Lee Smith, uh, founder of Sales Fuel. We link him up in the show notes, uh, salesfuel.com. And uh, I could talk about this stuff all day long because sales is uh, one of my favorite things. It's what I do for a living. And uh, business development, sales, branding, marketing. This is Life is about sales. You don't even need to be in sales. I don't even know what I'm talking about. If, if you're interested in life, you'll be interested in this conversation because everything we talk about can be related to everyday life. So with that said, everybody, please sit back, relax, and be prepared for a insightful, thought-provoking, energetic conversation with the one and only Lee Smith. The Optimal Life. So good old Columbus, Ohio, huh? Yeah, I'm actually closer than that to, to you. I'm actually in Westerville, so I'm like right off 71, you know, up in the northeast part of town. Well, we got to start We got to start off the podcast with uh, a tradition. OH Oh, baby. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. So, um, first off, Buckeyes. You like the Buckeyes' chances this coming football season? Are you a Buckeyes fan? Well, you can't live in Columbus, Ohio, without being a Buckeyes fan. But I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Ohio the State University. Uh, that that's my alma mater. So it's like I'm a Bobcat. Love the Mac. Yeah, you know, love love Mac football and basketball. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it's like you're living in Columbus, Ohio, got a roof for the Buckeyes, <laughs> so uh, I'm hoping that they have a good season this year. Well, Lee, you and I have a little rivalry already because I am a uh, Miami University graduate, <laughs> the other side of the state. So. That's fantastic. <laughs> Everyone always told me, and I kind of agree with it because I've been to OU several times, it's kind of the same school, just on different sides of the state. It has a very yeah. similar feel to it. You know, when I when I went there, whatever the, it was, it was different because the preppies went to Miami and the regular folks went went to OU. Uh, and now it's, I really can't tell the difference these days. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully I was part of that regular crowd as as time went on. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for coming on and, and uh, sharing. I see you've done a lot of different things in the business world, and and let's just dive right into it. I mean. First off, what makes a good salesperson? What are characteristics that you look for in a good salesperson? So I think that everybody knows that a good salesperson, everyone would agree that a good salesperson has to be professional, they have to be confident, they have to be persuasive, you know, all of those things. Uh, but what's different, you know, and some of the things that a lot of sales managers don't consider, you know, when they're looking at salespeople, is that you know, we have to look, today they have to be empathetic. I mean, especially then coming on, you know, hopefully we're getting on the other side of COVID, uh, but, you know, going through times of strife like that. Uh, but there's always things like that. It's like, you know, people might be having struggles in their business or they might be having a major challenge, you know, fulfilling orders or dealing with governor, government regulations or, uh, you know, 
the customer base is dwindling or something like that. So there's other types of crises there, and we have to, uh, for my listening ear, understand them from their point of view and and help them. So being helpful is really what it's all about these days. And to do that, empathetic. Other thing you got to be curious uh, because they're trying to solve a problem. They're trying to achieve a goal. And it's like, what is that? And, 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 it's, and more importantly then, you know, how important is it to the CEO? And more importantly than that is, does the CEO view, view that as important enough that, 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 that she's going to commit time, money, and resources then to either solve that problem or achieve that goal? So the curiosity aspect of it is very, very big as well. And of course, you, you get into a, lo- to a lot of other things, but those are things, but I think the biggest thing for salespeople these days, obviously since I wrote the book Sales Cred, um, how buyers qualify sellers, it, 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 you have to have a high degree of credibility. And so, you know, that means you have to do everything you say, think, and do has to be with integrity, you know, in, in, done in a likable manner, and you know, done in a, you know, done in, obviously in a, in a trustworthy manner, but also they have people have you have to let people know you. And so they have first they have to know of you, and, and if they do a Google search on you and they don't pull anything up, that's not you know that's you're not even known. So how can you be credible? And and then you know you have to do say things, do things in, in such a way that it in a credible manner, so that they will eventually you know, refer you. So that is uh, for for me is all of those things wrapped up into the, the bigger picture of, of credibility and. and you know the, the thing that may we talk about in sales a lot you, you can feel it's like oh got to earn their trust got to build trust and it's like and once i have their trust and that's like i need to meet with the face to take them out to dinner look them in the eye so, so, so we can establish trust mm-hmm. and i think for a lot of new salespeople, it is like they say okay well that's great and all but how we go about achieving this this level of trust and if you, you can't have trust without credibility you can have credibility without trust but you can't have trust without credibility it is a prerequisite so my advice to salespeople these days of all types is that if you want trust and you want to be seen as a trusted advisor you have to first be highly credible going back to your first statement about empathy is this a trait in your opinion that can be taught I believe that it can be because you know empathy is really about you know getting out of your own way and and not thinking about yourself so much, but also you know, valuing people more than you value getting things done and more than you value process, process and structure. So yeah, it's always people first, progress second, process third, and sometimes we we get it backwards. You know, particularly sales managers, it's like they're always worrying about, like, well, we've got to worry about our sales process and getting people through the funnel and everything like that. Well, that's exactly backwards. You know, it's it's like you know, sales is a people business. It is about not only communicating with people and everything like that, but it's about helping people. Yeah, you, you can say it's about a money business, and that's getting things done. You can say it's about helping them make change, and that's part of the process. But it's really, most importantly, all about the people. And so when you change your perspective and you change your mindset, it becomes much easier to be empathetic. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people whose brains are wired to be naturally empathetic 
and those who are not. That that doesn't mean that if you're not wired that way, you can't be that. It just means you have to work harder. Yeah, there's ways you got to hone those skills, and it's repetition. It's like working out. It's it's repetitions, mindfulness, uh, being aware. I, I think emotional intelligence is the most important quality any salesperson can have. And, and, and you're absolutely right on that. Why? Because that's where all the decisions are made. You know, the decisions are made emotionally, and they're backed up with logic. So we don't go in there guns blazing with the latest stats, facts, figures, everything like that. Those are great for then for communicating to the boss why why you made the decision you made, and why you need the money to to, to do what you want to do. But it's all really it, it's it, it's driven by emotions, you know, at the core. So when you are looking at these different salespeople and you're training these people. Uh, one of the most important things you mentioned is becoming credible. You have to first be credible before you can gain anyone's trust. So what are some of the ways that a salesperson or anybody in business for that matter can establish credibility? Well, there's there are little things that salespeople or anybody does every day that, that gives away your, your credibility. And, you know, little things like take a look at, at your email. Think of a look at, at the way that you talk, for example. It's like if you always end your sentences with a, with a question mark, you know, and I see this a lot with, with the younger set today that, you know, when, when they talk, everything is like that always into the question. And it's like, or, or they say, right, 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 looking for an affirmation from you. It's like, you know, and, and, and it's like, you know, in small doses, fine, but but pretty much when you're acting like that, you're not being authoritative, and you're not acting like you're confident in what you're saying. You know what you're saying is true and right and accurate and what's best for the moment. But it's like, but if you're always asking questions, you know, and asking for their approval, then you know what that does is that 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 doesn't make you as credible. So that's one example of it. But there's all kinds of things. It's like you know, when you're in a Zoom call and like that. And you're fumbling around with the controls, and you can't get the, the microphone to work. Or hey, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Or your background is, is a cluttered mess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like you know, since you know you're in Cleveland, and of course you know, me being in Columbus, uh, we have a connection. Paul Brown, Paul Brown, who's legendary, you know, head coach of Ohio State University. They went and also coached the Cleveland Browns. Uh, you know, had a saying was act like you've been there before. Yes. So if you're gonna be credible, you gotta act like you've been there before. It's like now people, some people might say fake it till you make it. Mm. You know, and, and to some degree that's true, but but being fake is also not credible. So I will caution you on that. It's like the, the way that you the way that you uh, act like you've been there before is to have been there before, and that means if you if you're you know, that you're not doing that live in the moment. You know, for real, it's like you do it on the practice field. You you do it in the office you know, with a colleague. You know, and you practice it to the point where you have done that before, and you've done it enough before where you know you can come across and you've done it before. It's not faking anything because that's that's the lack of integrity and not credible. So the confidence it sounds like is clearly very important in establishing credibility. Confident. Uh, yeah, it, it totally is that, and that's why salespeople in particular have to have a high degree of, of confidence, but any leader has to have a high degree of confidence. That doesn't mean that we have to know everything, we have to act like we know everything. It just means that we have to ask smart questions, and that's another part about, you know, we, we ask about being credible. You know, it's like being credible is not about having all the answers, it's about having all the questions. And so, and then you know, where your empathy kicks in is like when you care enough to actually to ask the question, 
in a way that's not going to evoke a negative emotion or make someone feel uncomfortable and that you actually shut up and listen to the answer all the way through because normally people are ramping up then and telling you the story to, to, to get to the crescendo at the end. But as salespeople so many times, like we'll interrupt that person or if they stop and take a breath, we're going to jump right in there with the next brilliant thing we're going to say and we lose the end of the story. And mm-hmm. which is where the problem is that they're trying to solve or the goal that they're trying to meet and more importantly why it's important to them personally. A salesperson gets uh, turned down much many more times than they get told yes. Uh-huh. So and I assume that that's something that you is probably at the core of your teachings and your uh, consultancy is keeping the the salesperson motivated uh you know avoiding the um Avoiding the pitfalls of of self doubt, uh, the complete opposite of, of the confidence, and not sulking and letting it shut them down. So when you see a salesperson that's struggling with this, I mean, where they're where they're kind of quivering because they're being told no, and you see their their confidence getting rocked, what are some of the things that you're doing to help these people out to get back on track? Yeah, that's that's a great question. That's also one of the things that we, why we look for resilience in hiring new salespeople because it's going to happen. Uh, so it really goes back to the belief system. So like, do they believe in themselves? Do they believe that what they're doing you know, benefits other people, benefits maybe society as a whole? That would be even better. You know, do they you know, do they believe that if they do their job well, they're going to be rewarded for it? Or do they do they believe that, it, that if they do their job well, that, that the company is going to reward them for it? Uh, do they believe that if they go out and put themselves out there, that you know, the company has their back? those types of things. So it really goes all the way back to the belief system. Then it goes into, it's like, why are you doing this? You know, if you got into sales because you want to make a lot of money, guess what? We all did. But if you stay in sales just because you want to make a lot of money, you're in the wrong business. It's like you, 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 a lot of people get attracted to sales because of the money or they get attracted to sales because of the freedom of, you know, being able to chart your own day and, you know, go see and talk to whoever you want you feel like you want to talk to there's a lot of freedom there it's not like everything is being scripted and handed down to you and you've got you know a lot of widgets that you have to assemble you know as they come by at a particular time so they, they get into it for that but and ultimately the best salespeople stay because the rush that they get by helping people either achieve that goal get that promotion solve that problem make more money uh, being able to help their families those types of things and then of course then their ability to help their family as well so again it, it's that's about the people not about the progress not about the process and so I think that's so how we help them do that is that just when uh, just like we go, we're going to go back to sports again and I, and I hesitate to do that but I'm, but I'm going to this case so you get somebody who's a superstar and they're a scorer I don't care if it's basketball hockey whatever and they get into a slump happens to everybody uh, and what do they tell that person to do they say, say find other ways to contribute so maybe it's making a great pass or a great assist or you know, being a great teammate or something like that as a salesperson what you've got to do in that situation is always be helping so it's like maybe if you're not making that sale or you're not you're not being invited then to help them with the big problem if you can help them in other ways by giving them relevant information that's 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 relevant to them and also to their boss 
it, it starts right there. Uh, and at least you're always going to be helpful in some way, shape, or form as to always be helpful. If you're doing that, then you're getting at least some mental reward from sales in that kind of helps helps to offset the fact that you got shot down, they didn't like your proposal, they went with the other guy, uh, you know, and then from what you could do with that is take the sting from that then and, and have an after-action review and ask yourself, okay, you know, rather than bitch and complain about, oh, the process was unfair, or they, they, they knew the guy's uncle, or they were never serious about it to begin with in the first place is to go back and really take a good look, honest look at what you could have done differently, mm. you know, and where you might have missed the mark and, you know, maybe how you didn't read the room and that's how you get better. Yeah. You know, so yes. those are the things that we coach salespeople on, you know, to help get them through, you know, getting shot down continuously because, you know, it happens. It's part of the job. So we've talked about your client's consultancy. Just let's get into a little bit more of it. You have, you're the CEO and founder of Sales Fuel. Talk, us, talk to us a little bit more about the, your company and what you guys do. So at, at Sales Fuel, I mean, really what we do is that we provide leverage insight. You know, we are a sales research company. So we do a lot of the background research for salespeople and to help them understand uh, what's going on in the industries you know, in which they serve? You know, what what trends are happening? You know, what threats, competitive threats, are happening in those industries? What opportunities are there so that they can ask smarter questions uh, on on the sales calls? And by asking the smarter questions and hopefully shutting up and asking good follow up questions, uh, that gives them the leverage that they need then to be able to solve the problems. To have like, have that collaborative problem solving process. And you know, uh, be able to overcome any objections or fears or concerns that they might have. You know, close a deal, and then more importantly, then too, there's always a process after you get somebody to verbalize. Yes, it's like, yeah, we want to do that. Well, that's the second guessing. You know, it's like when they go and they share it with their spouse, or they go and share it with the boss, or maybe it's like, you know, when when you're gone now and everything like that, and euphoria and the rush of having made that decision was off and you start to wonder hmm did I ask about this did I ask about that we all do it whether you're buying a house or a car or anything like that it's like we all do it so it's like it's, it's being able then to uh, reassure the person then during that second guessing process that they made the right decision and here's why because you told me these things here's what you want to do here's how this is going to help you do this here's how I'm going to help you make sure that you execute this properly so that this will be the desired result and you get the outcome that you're looking for and that's really what uh, that's really what's most important here yeah closing is number one is the hardest thing to do because you can you can build on a relationship you can get this person to like know and trust you you can uh, you feel like you're that person's best friend and you're the only game in town and this is going to happen and then, and then it's time to actually get the contract signed or to close the client. And I find so many people, that's the hardest thing. I used to be in the sports agent business. So I love all your sports an analogies. After law school, I went right into sport. Actually, I went into it while I was in law school. And the hardest thing to do, of course, as you know, is to get that player to sign with you. He might love you to death, but there's so much, so much competition for that guy. How do you get him to say yes? You're my guy. In closing, is such a balancing act, and you can talk more about this, between aggression and being too pushy. And you got to find that that 
perfect balance, that tightrope that is so hard for people to find. You know, you're absolutely right about that. And it's like, it's like you know, you, you know, you don't want to be stuck in the friend zone. Yeah, I mean, right? It's yes. like I mean, you, 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 much, you want to be liked, yeah, but you really want what you, what you really want is you want to be respected. <laughs> and you, you, you want to know that when you talk and you make a recommendation that they believe you and they'll listen to you. You know, it's like, and not just because they don't just talk to you whenever you. Uh, they want to meet you up for happy hour or they want to go out and watch the ponies run on, on Saturday or whatever it's like they uh, you know, go play golf on the weekend or something it's like that's that's great but it's like you know what you want to do is you want to be able to solve problems and you want to you know you want to make some money too you know while doing it so you want to you want to get that mental income you know that heart income that you get from, from, from helping another person but also it's like you need the financial income as well I mean that's why we all go to work yeah, I got to tell you, that's such a good analogy, the stuck in the friend zone. I love that. Because nobody ever wants to get stuck in the friend zone. No. We all did. We've all done We've it. all been there. We've all been there. We used to Some get... Some of us are there right now. I hate, I hate thinking about to those thoughts of growing up and being stuck in the friend zone with some girl that you're trying to pursue and, uh, this isn't going anywhere. Yeah, that's the worst feeling. It's the same thing in business, too. And it's the same yeah, like, thing with these players. That's a great analogy, too, because, like... Maybe it wasn't meant to be, you know. It's like so you, you got to shoot your shot, right? But it's like you know, it's like if, if you do that though, it, it's not a match. It's not a match. Correct, yeah. but 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 here's the thing: some people don't even shoot the shot, and that's how they get that's, stuck. That's the problem. Yeah, that's totally the problem. It's like you know, you can talk yourself out of you know making a sales call, going above someone's head, doing whatever it takes then to you know going back and. You know, reassessing things, and or maybe talking to different stakeholders, or you know, you can talk yourself out of all that and come up with a million reasons why they're going to say no. And the thing is that when you do that, it's like then come up with a million reasons why you're going to overcome that objection. I, it's like when you do that, you've got the confidence going in there that you know, you know, when you shoot your shot, you're going to you're going to make it your best shot possible. One hundred percent. And again, back to the what I was talking about with closing the players. I, again, I found the same thing. Whenever we were a little soft trying to get the guy, we never got him, or very rarely got him. We, the guy wanted, they want to like you, but they want to know that you're that you're there, like you're going to be such a badass in business. And you have to be a little bit over the top and aggressive at times. Depends on, the, of course, your audience, and every industry is a little bit different. But the, the guys always wanted to sign with the guy that they were like, this guy's a killer, he's going to do it for me, I don't care. I might not even like him as much as some of the other guys, but... And, and when they felt that from me and, and my business partner at the time, we very rarely lost that guy. So how did you go about walking that fine line between being assertive without being aggressive and being persistent without being pushy? It, it was That's what I mean. And again, you could only do that, in my opinion, by being with these people in person. Uh, that's what the best way to, to really feel the situation. You need to have that empathy like you talked about. You need to have your social awareness. You need to have your radar, your, your emotional intelligence radar, and be able to understand and feel people by the way that they're reacting to you, their facial expressions, their body language, what their family's saying. All these things that you're trying to take in and calculate uh, in a very short period of time and then you gotta think about all your phone calls and all your follow-ups with this person and look back at the several months and you find out who your competition is and when you're getting close you gotta put your foot on the gas you, you, you have to err on the side of being a little obnoxious from what I found 
And again, you don't want to be over the top pushy where you totally turn the guy off. But if you if you step step back one and a half steps, somebody is going to just swoop in there and close the deal. So for me, it was kind of just analyzing all these different factors, Lee. And, and uh, again, it, it's it's such an intangible thing because you have to you have to know your audience and you have to be able to feel. Yeah, it goes back to your empathy. Yeah. yeah. You got to be able to read that room because it's like you need to go right up to the line. Yes. Not cross the line, but don't let there be a sliver of daylight between <laughs> your yes. feet and, and that line. You are 100%. That's exactly what it was. You mentioned that one of the things you're doing with helping your clients is um, with all of these different changing environments, the world's changing, there's threats, the COVID, all this craziness. You said that you're helping them develop questions to adapt to the time. So could you give a couple examples of that? Well, I, I think that the best questions are the ones that are unique to the individual. The best questions, quite frankly, are follow-up questions. You know, so I'm not gonna, you know, I, when people hire us, it's like, you know, I'm not gonna go in there and give you a bunch of, oh, this is a bad question. It works every single time. Look, you know, the sales consultant tells you that or whatever they're lying to you. There are no magic words that work every single time. Okay, because that's just manipulation. It's like what they need to see is they need to see your heart. They need to know that you care. And they also need to know that you like them because they're not really going to get to like you unless they know that you like them. Mm. And also it's like when you like them, you know, the, the customer or the prospect in this particular case is like you're going to want to do your best. You're going to want to go the extra mile. You're going to want to, you know, go ahead and take that phone call at five minutes till five, even though you've got a tea time, you know, and a half an hour on, on the other side of town, you know, because you like, you, you like the, the guy or gal and you, and you want to help them out. And, 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 you, and, you know, you want to go to bat for them with, with your boss and kind of say, hey, if we can just, you know, let's finagle these terms or whatever because they're going through this situation right now. I think it'll go a long way. And, and, and they, they, they know that. So, you know, it's, it, is, it is all about those types of things, but it's about the follow-up question. So the best question, again, is a smart question that's based on what's happening in their industry. Again, it's either an opportunity, a challenge, uh, something, that, something, or more importantly, what's important to, to not only to them, but also, again, the CEO, the boss, you know, the gal who's writing the checks and approving the budget. You know, so how you figure that out? You know, you, you read, you listen, you know, and, and it's like, yeah, you can read the news, you can go on the website, you can throw, hey, sometimes there are guests on podcasts like this one, you want to listen to that. Or if they're being interviewed on a, on a radio or on television, you want to, you want to watch that. And, you know, if that doesn't work, then it's like, you know, the, the, the best way to, to get information about what's important to the CEO is, is talk to somebody who's, who's in those meetings. Mm. You know, and who's the person at a company then that loves to talk <laughs> and maybe shares a little too much information? Yes. Who's the who? Who is? The, let me ask you that. Who 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 is that person? Well, that's always the other salespeople. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So you guys have you know, salesperson to salesperson, motto to motto, can be talking about. You guys have shared experiences. You guys can trade leads. You can talk about. Hey, what's going on over at your place or whatever? Here's what's going on over at my place, and and you can, you know, you have that camaraderie, you have that shared experience of being rejected all the time, for example, and uh, but you can get the lay of the land, you know, 
yeah. from them and, and they'll share a little bit of information with you that you may be able, you won't be able to find online or in trade magazines or you know or anything like that so and, and by having that information then you can provide the relevant information uh, you know, the insight that comes from from the sales research but also that research is going to point you in the direction of asking a relevant question to help get at what's most important to them and what needs to be done next. Yeah. And then the next, like I said, the, the most important thing after that is, is shutting up listening and asking great follow-up questions because that is the thing that the common salesperson does not do. Yes. They, can even, they can go in there, they can have their list of questions of what they want to ask. A lot of them don't even do that. But it's like, but then they're like I said, they're they're, they're on to the next thing. They they want to get okay. Let's get through this discovery process so I can really sell you what you know, what you need to buy. That's like that's completely wrong. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. worse that there's nothing that turns somebody off more than a person that's trying to sell them, and then you can just tell they're not even listening to what you have to say. It's the worst because it's like, and when someone's not listening to you, do, they, do you feel like they like you? Do they feel like they give a shit about you? Part of my language it was like so. I mean. No, and Absolutely. so it's like that undermines your credibility. Not listening undermines credibility. Absolutely, absolutely, totally agree with that. Um, so one of the things you guys do also at your company, this is Sales Fuel, and you guys can check them out at salesfuel.com. We'll link this in the show notes. Uh, you guys also talk about hiring better salespeople and avoiding toxic troublemakers. So we don't have to get into all the detail, but let's put me through the ringer. I mean, if 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 uh, here I am, I'm applying for a position at company XYZ. You guys come in to try to help sort sort me out. To, you know, take a look at this guy, see what he's all about. What are some of the things that you'd be asking of me at this point? I think the things that I, I want to ask you is, is that uh, you know, who's the salesperson that takes up most of your time, and why? You know, and you know who, and then also it's like, is that the is that the salesperson you spend the most sale, most time with? I mean, so who's the one is demanding most of your time that you have to spend the most of your time with, maybe even regrettably? And is that who you want to be spending the most time with? It's like, and then I will ask some follow because I, I why is that? Oh, because it's like this person always has an issue, always has a gripe. You know, or it's like, you know, if I don't, you know, didn't, they complain about what I said in the sales meeting, or they don't like it because I won't budge or I'm letting them off their quota, or they have they, they have the customers that always seem to be the, 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 the neediest because they've been trained to be the neediest, and right. or to, you know, you know, that always want to call me up and complain to me. Right. It's like, and, and ultimately what the, sometimes goes back to, now sometimes managers are hired into positions because the previous manager before them screwed up and they need to clean up a mess. So thank you, Jackson, you know, in Cleveland, I mean, for example. Uh, you know, and every other so, head coach before him. With, with <laughs> sales managers and any other type of business manager as well. Well, you inherited that mess. You didn't get to pick those people. You didn't get to buy the groceries. All right? So you still have to deal with that. But so when you do get to buy the groceries, it's like you have an opportunity to make your sales team better or make your sales team worse with a decision that, that you make. You own this one. Yes. Well, so it's like, do not make the situation worse. But let me ask yeah, you, but, let me ask you just a, a, a little bit more in regards to the hiring process. Because hiring is such a, an art. It's not a science, at least from what I found in our business and most other businesses that I deal with and have talked to. It is such a tricky thing. 
people struggle to hire hire good qualified committed dedicated people so when your hire when when your client comes and says hey I've got this Nate Haber character that has just applied for a job how can can you help me you know put this guy through a test what what do you do to make sure that that, that I'm a legit qualified salesperson so with the, I believe that it, that hiring for salespeople is a is an art and a science, and I think that's really true for for most professions. But it's it's harder to hire a good salesperson because salespeople we've got the gift of gab, we can spin anything, and you know some people take shortcuts, cut corners, and everything like that. So it's a little bit easier then to be. Uh, I know well to buy a salesperson or to, or to fall in love with a candidate, you know, when they're salesperson or something like that. What you need there is you need cold hard data, you know. So, so what we do is essentially since we're following the sports analogy all the way through, I mean, we're doing we're the cybermetrics, you know, for evaluating salespeople. So it's like because that, that candidate you fell in love with, well, like, well, they're selling you a bill of goods. That person, you know, they, they tell you what a great closer they are and everything like that, and you haven't asked the question about, okay, give me you know, some cold hard examples of of, of a, an account that no one could close, but but you were able to close them. Why? Because if you ask that question, you just soon find out that they never did it. And how do we know, you know, that they haven't done it? Because we've put them through a battery of assessments. We put them through a sales acumen assessment that shows how well that they know how to apply the tactics of sales to everyday real world business situations that's the first thing and then we put them through four psychometric assessments then that's going to measure then their values and belief system what's their motivation how do they behave in certain situations how they behave under stress and uh, you know also then lastly like, do they have empathy? do they are they able to make decisions do they put people first progress second process third and by knowing all those things, we have a much more complete idea of the salesperson. Now, mind you, it's not uh, end-all, be-all. I mean, it still matters then you know, what kind of chemistry that they have with their future bots. That matters. And are they likable? And you know, will they get along? Or will they be you know, a, a good fit for the company? Some people say culture fit. Uh, all of that is, is also very important. Most importantly, yeah, they have to be able to, have, to do the job. They have to have the experience, you know, uh, demonstrable experience showing that they have done the job before and, and can do it well. But the data then acts as another set of eyes that, that, that reassure you that what you think you're seeing, you're actually seeing, or acts as a checks and balances system. So it's like, yeah, you're really enthusiastic about this candidate. You can't wait to make them an offer. And they're telling you, well, I've got another two people or whatever that, that, that are looking to make me an offer. Or, you know, by the end of the day, you better hurry. It's like, and don't get caught up on all that because the data will actually tell you, it's like, yeah, you know what? The best decision you make might be the one you don't make. Yeah, oh, interesting. Because you're trying to avoid the guy that's all sizzle and no steak. It's easy yeah. to be duped by the guy that's all sizzle and no steak, like you said. Salespeople could talk. And, and, and with salespeople, sometimes the best sales job that they do is the one they do on you, and then you'll never see that salesperson again. What happened to that guy? It's like... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. There's got to be some kind of uh, technical. There's got to be some meat and potatoes behind the all the talk, right? You got to yeah. make sure that these people are going to follow through. They're technically sound. Uh, they're going to service the client. They want to work with them. There's going to be follow up. I don't know. I'm just naming some things that come to mind. 
No, you're exactly right. Like, so it's like in, in layman's terms, like, they, yes, they have to pass the eye test, but they also, also have to have the analytics as well. And the, the other thing about the analytics is that the analytics will tell us what they do naturally, what they're good at naturally. Doesn't mean that other people can't do it. It just means they're going to have to work harder at it. When they work harder at it, it's fatiguing, it's exhausting, it, you know, it's easier to burn out. You know, but if you're a natural at it, if you can hire a natural, you know, then you know, who's a natural in certain key areas, you can coach them up on the other stuff. Yes. Talk to us about the uh, the seven C's. What exactly is that? So the seven C's is really all about things that a salesperson needs to know. Uh, before they make that sales call to a new prospect. It's like, so these are the seven C's of pre-call intelligence is, is really what I call it. So it really, and the neat thing about it is like they all start with the letter C. So the first thing you've got to know is about the company that you're calling on. What can you learn about the company? All of this is about education. And what do you know about the contacts? You know, where did they go to school? You know, were they a Miami Red Hawk? You know, or, you know, or were, you know, did they go to Kent State instead? You know, it's like, and so what do you know about that? Uh, you know, what do you know about what their interests are? Like what Facebook groups, what LinkedIn groups are they a part of? Like what uh, what charities do they support and causes they, have they uh, volunteered for? It's, it's all out there. You know, more mm-hmm. importantly, what connections do they have? Oh, I know, uh, I know Sally Jones. I know, I, I'm... I know someone that knows Sally Jones because I met her at the fundraiser for the YWCA that I was at the other night. Right. Back when we used to do stuff like that. <laughs> yes. But it'll happen again soon. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, and also, if I can sell Sally, then Sally knows Bob Johnson over at ABC Company, who I've been trying to get an audience with for the last six months. So is understanding and working all those connections. So that's the third C, the fourth C category. Know the category of business. Again, opportunities, trends, uh, you know, all the things that are happening in the category. And this is, so a lot of salespeople will do those things pretty well. Connections, not so much because it's about connecting the dots. But customers is really what it comes down to. It's not enough to know your customers. You have to know your customer's customer. Mm. How is the how is their customer going to benefit from the product or service that you're providing? Yeah. You know, so what's in it for them? And why? Real and quick. Real quickly. Why is that important? It's because that's where the money is. That's where the that's where the ultimate decision makers are. That's where the money is. Yeah, it's like because your 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 client, your customer is going is getting their money from somewhere. Yeah, follow the money. Mm-hmm. It comes from their customer. Beautiful. What you else? Know, what else? You have to have another use case about how your product is actually going to be used and being able to to, to understand that. And uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of good information is also in your CRM, which is like which is an eighth C, but it's like it didn't quite make the list, so it's it's the seven plus one. <laughs> And CRM is customer relation management uh, tool. That's that's right. It's a thing that all salespeople hate to use. You know, it's like they, people hate, they, they don't like to record all the calls that they made and everything like that. You know, because there's a, that's that's where accountability is. Yes. You know? Yes. And so, yeah, a lot of times, a lot of salespeople hate to, hate to use the CRM, but it's great to be able to go back and say, oh yeah, I talked to talked to. Uh, uh, to Janice two weeks ago about this, and I forgot about that conversation. I'm glad and it's a great way to jog your memory. And one of the other things too that I think a lot of salespeople, correct me if I'm wrong, probably at times 
struggle a reason that they're struggling and running into the wall is because quite often they may not even be talking to the ultimate decision maker which we've alluded to a little bit you said earlier they should be talking to the people at the company that will talk the other salespeople so they, they know the intricacies and what how the CEO thinks and feels and those things uh, do you see that as well where these salespeople are selling not even to the right people at times absolutely because they haven't asked the right question right out of the gate how, how is the buying process for making a decision on what you want to buy here is like how is that made right. and then what and then what it's like who's involved in that and who's affected by that it's like these are the, the types of classic questions or whatever that that need to be asked right up front and i would say that in the other in addition to that it's the salesperson thinking of themselves first and not first or thinking about how they're going to how they're going to qualify the buyer and how much money are they going to spend? Will they be an enterprise level account? You know, do they fit our ideal customer profile? Blah, 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 blah. When what really what's most important is like, does, how does the buyer qualify you? Do they think you're trustworthy enough? Do they think you're credible enough to actually then return your phone calls, respond to your emails? Hey, are you providing them value and information and insight and research then to help them do their job better? Do you, care enough about you know what they're going through on a day-to-day basis that because because you're stuck at work having to work these extra hours you know that, that you're missing your kids little league game or your or, or, or your or your daughter's you know dance recital it's like you know that's they they want somebody then that that lives that life and understands them as empathetic to not only you know, to them personally not just what the company can do for them by writing them a check Lee, I could talk business and sales with you all day. Um, unfortunately, we don't have all day. But before you go, before you go, uh, I, I would um, be remiss if I didn't ask you to at least uh, talk to us a little bit about you also co-host a podcast called Manage Smarter. Talk about the podcast, uh, if you would. Yeah, it's great. We're in our fourth year of doing that show, and and this year we've actually taken it to, to, to video as well. So uh, you can listen to that show on a- any place you get your podcast, but also then you can now watch us on C-Suite TV. Uh, and, and so uh, Jeffrey Hayes is the one who's in charge of that. You might know him. He was a judge on Celebrity Apprentice, uh, uh, big marketer you know, for, for Dodge Ram trucks and everything like that back in the day. Nice. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what we're doing there. We have had all kinds of guests: Brian Tracy, Tom Peters, uh, you know, big names, little names. But what we try to do is we try to dive in to a topic of importance then to managers, frontline managers, but also those people who want to be managers and want to be leaders. And so we focus on different topics, whether it's goal setting or, or having meetings that don't suck, or asking the right questions, or uh, you know how to. Uh, you know, have convers- difficult conversations, and or how to be an ally, you know, w- with your minority coworkers. Things, you know, all kinds. Yeah, you know, of course, we've had a lot of COVID top- topics over the last year, and so my co-host Audrey Strong and I, we do that every week. We push out new episodes on Sunday. They're 20 minutes long, uh, so that you know, when you when you're able to go back to work in an office, you you can make that drive and listen to the show. If you're working out, you know, you you can you know. When you're on, on the treadmill, on the bike, whatever, you, know, you can listen to the show. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it, you know, four years into it. And uh, you know, the ratings are still great. The audience is still great. And for me, it's like I do it because uh, I learn something every single week. Oh, it's beautiful. I show up with one question to ask, 
and I shut up and I listen. I just ask follow-up questions. I try to think of myself like you. And it's like, what do you want to know? If, if you were just talking to this person right now, what questions would be going through your mind right now? And that's what I ask, and I learn so much. That is perfectly sad, beautiful. I totally can relate to that. Uh, Lee Smith, founder and CEO of Sales Fuel, author, speaker, podcaster, Lee Smith at salesfuel.com. We'll link some of this in the show notes. One final question for you, my friend, before you go is uh, somebody's listened to this podcast and they're a salesperson and maybe they're in a rut. Maybe they're struggling. It's been a tough 2020. 2021 is still, uh, there's still the hangover effect. We're still coming out of this thing slowly. And they're, you know, they're just in a, in a tough spot. One piece of advice to give to that salesperson to get them back on track. What is it? Get off your own ass. And what I mean by that is that it's not get off your ass. I mean, get off your ass. You know, it's like get off your ass, like 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 your manager, or your boss would. It's like you cut yourself some slack. Give yourself a little bit of grace. It's like you're not going through anything that, that anybody else hasn't gone through before. There's a lot of people that are going through that right now. You know, so you have to. But you know, you can either you have two choices. It's like you can either get better or get bitter. Mm. I mean, or get. So that's it. So choose to get better in some small way every day. Be a better version of yourself to, to tomorrow than you were today. But at the same point in time, you know, don't be judging yourself and, and criticizing yourself and, 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 and giving yourself a hard time because you're not generating the results that you want to see right now. Do the little things that are necessary to get those results today, and those results will, will come, you know, just one, because you've gotten better. But also the two is like as the economy improves and, and, and you know, things you know, uh, lighten up a little bit, loosen up a little bit, or whatever. It's like you know, you're gonna be in a fantastic spot to take full advantage of that. One, uh, one step at a time, right? One building block at a time. Hitting singles is always easier than hitting the home run. Sometimes you gotta play small ball. There it is. Hey, Lee, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Really appreciate the insight, and uh, look forward to staying in touch. I enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs>